You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers break down stories accompanied by songs and melodies documenting growth through their 10,000-hour journey. And me? Well, my name is Cello, your host. I am a bedroom Beethoven. <laughs> What's up, people? You're now tuned into 108 of the podcast. I got a good, good, a good feeling. Yeah. I got a good, good, a good feeling. I got a good, good, a good feeling. My guest this week yeah, is. My name is Pigeon John from uh, LA, California, and uh, of groups uh, Brainwash Projects, LA Symphony, and uh, Collectives uh, Quantum Projects, and uh, yeah, just the whole LA underground scene. Yeah, I'm up on the cloud, ain't coming back down. Feel it in my bones, gotta shake it out. I'm going harder than before, let me hear you shout. I run around the whole world, chasing that thrill from the bottom to the top, of finna knock it out. I'm about to blow, ready on the go. Pigeon John is back with his eighth studio record. Well, admittedly, I'm I'm kind of late. It was released last April, but he's one of my favorite artists, so better late than never. It kind of worked out because he has future plans for music in 2021, and it's always a good time to revisit the last project. Because who else is going to release a song called Got a Good Feeling at the Start of a Pandemic? Mr. Optimism himself, the California-based underground rapper with a genre-fusing style and positive, easily relatable lyrics. I catch him on the heel of the new year as he welcomes a new baby girl into the world and he has tour dates set in stone. So, lots to discuss. In the meantime, please do me a solid and subscribe to the YouTube page and all the social medias or heck, leave a five-star review wherever it is that you stream this podcast. You can do all that via the hub at bedroombeethovens.com and you can support me at patreon.com slash bedroombeethovens. Thank you for your support. Without further ado, PJ and me from Texas to Cali. Let's get it. I was excited to get the chance to talk to another guy who has a few daughters, but you went ahead and one up to me a few weeks ago. So congratulations, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, thank you very much, man. Thank you, man. It's, it's been a pleasure, man. So everything's uh, 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 just faster. Everything's much more faster. In the, uh, I bet, man. Club. I bet. And, and I, I'm German and black, too, so we're in the same club as Vin Diesel and uh, Alicia Keys and Halle Berry, I think. <laughs> I'm probably oh, wrong okay. on that last one. But, yeah. <laughs> All right. Where, where, where? Okay, but uh, happy happy twenty years to uh, Pigeon John is clueless. You're you're a bona fide veteran, a, a legend, a staple in hip hop. Oh man, uh, you, you you produced three joints on that album. Yeah, oh man, it, it, yeah, it's a that record was a fun to put together, and I'm I'm glad to have just been been in that scene and got to work with so many people 
all over town and stuff. So it was a it was a fun record to be a part of. My my introduction to you personally, because uh, I'm a, I was a gamer. I've been a gamer my whole life. Was G4 TV? This this guy oh. I never heard of bust this Xbox 360 freestyle, and I <laughs> I remember I was like, oh man, this dude's dope, and then oh, I went and checked out a bunch of your songs. That's that tells you crazy. how old I am. Oh man, so, hey, that's that's fresh. I I'm on the Xbox still. So yeah, that that was real cool to be a part of LA Symphony and, and to to work with the first Xbox. I remember the first uh, hand controllers. They were they were used to call them deer hearts. They're so large. Oh, those big fat yeah, controllers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first one. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I still remember. Uh, uh, I'm smoking, never token. I have to do the right thing. My name is Pigeon John. I rap and I kind of sing, <laughs> oh, sitting man. on the couch playing the xbox 360 man i remember it oh that's hard man good times <laughs> good times man good times man so how, how are you the the misses the the newborn the older ones going through this pandemic are you guys holding up okay yeah we're holding up okay we're, we're getting out of uh the house and getting to parks and stuff and uh we're happy that the parks open up uh here in portland and uh yeah we just try to get out as much as possible and, and school is 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 so crazy but uh it's uh it's been uh holding us tight in the house and uh yeah hanging in there oh uh much love to uh my partner nikki who handles a lot of the the schooling with our young ones so she she holds it down and uh just allows a lot of things to happen in the house so me oh, yeah. me personally i know it's safer for my kids to virtual learn but it was a nightmare the first six weeks of school so i i send them i send them to school Ooh. but i send them with a lot of sanitizer and a lot of backup face masks but I, they, but they gotta go. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I hear one in every five people in the LA area has COVID. Wow. So you're beating the odds just by keeping your oh, family COVID God. free at this point. That's how bad it's gotten. Oh man. Well. Oh man. Uh, man, we need that. Uh, we need that good, good, uh, good something to happen very soon, especially in LA with all my uh, family and friends down. Oh there. yeah. So much love, but Dang. at least we got a new president. You know, I remember when back in the day we oh, yeah. saw bumper stickers that said "Impeach Bush," and when Clinton lied, nobody died, and we we would think, yeah, that's never going to happen. But Trump actually got impeached twice. Historical, and I, I'm glad it's like kind of in the history books, uh, just to kind of keep us all in check, and and uh, just to, I, I like how everybody kind of united and uh, made made it happen. You know, so. It was great, man. And and if I turn the tables, you know, back to you, I remember you used to tour too much to the point where people were suggesting that you spend more time at home. So you got to be itching at this point. The timing of the last record around 2016, I had a, uh, a new daughter, uh, Mila, and uh, and kind of did less touring um, and uh, focused in on like collabing and writing more. So I kind of got used to not touring on the last record of uh, A Good Center. Um, just decidingly not to tour. And um, so I kind of got used to working from home and, and uh, just uh, doing a lot of sessions and stuff like that. So uh, it's going to be extra uh, crazy uh, going back out and uh, having a lot of fun out there. Yeah, I remember you would be like at you know parties with DJ Hydro and Diplo and celebrating Motorola commercials and a new album and you know, how are you getting the same adrenaline rush, like the same feelings oh, that can kind of keep you motivated and going? You know what? I think like the 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 joy. Well, every friend I talk to, uh, 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 we just love talking to each other because it's been a little bit, and everybody's kind of like, man, in the same situation. Even though online, it seems like everybody's outside. You know, at the malls, 
smoking cigarettes and stuff, just living life. But a lot of people are really like, you know, kind of doing what, you know, indoors and stuff like that. So I think just linking up with my band and, uh, uh, and practicing and, and, and getting the set together, uh, I think is going to, uh, get everything rolling and it's going to be, it's going to be cool. It's going to be a good time, man. And and if we if we look back at the origin story, not to ruin your street cred, but Omaha is where Gangsta John was originally from. Is there oh, yes. is there, is there anything worth discussing there, did, or did you just move out to L.A. at an early age? Oh, no. I, I was born in Omaha, Nebraska, and, and my mom moved to L.A. around uh, when I was three, right before kindergarten. So all my, uh, my upbringing when I was a baby was in uh, Nebraska. So hanging out with uh, my mom's side of the family and, and, and uh her dad was a uh, in the farm business and stuff like that. So a lot of corn, a lot of milk, potatoes, motorcycles, you know, just a lot of a lot of crazy times, and uh, uh, in the country. And then moving to the city at such a young age and and, and uh, having that experience, and then still going back to Nebraska, I had uh, both sides. So I like I like uh, I, I fell in love with both both worlds. Well, I, I remember people got mad when. Like when people found out corrupt was from Pennsylvania and Nate Dogg from Mississippi and exhibits from Albuquerque. So <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. Pigeon John's rep in LA, but he's from Omaha, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Omaha. That, that was a, it's a, it's a great town that I don't know that much. It's like a, like a ghost almost because when you're young, you kind of soak up all of the juices when you're super, super young. So I was, I had kind of like an outdoor mind state uh coming into the city in kindergarten i was already kind of like uh i felt uh uh an entridge uh, a new new uh new time already with such a young age you know so it was cool though and then you went to home of the beach boys oh yeah it, it got to hawthorne uh high in the high school years my mom uh, uh we lived in inglewood and then um got to hawthorne and yeah just that that was the time of like the the open space out times and, and actually the, the uh, impression of like my hip hop started right in that apartment complex. And the whole idea was a uh, bedroom hip hop. I said, what am I doing right now? Cause I'm just in the room. You know, my mom is obviously down the hall, you know, I'm just cutting and pasting these little uh, albums together. So I just have that mentality. So Hawthorne played a, a, a strong role, I guess, you know, Kind of like Nebraska. It's so Hawthorne is such a it's a weird town, very open, and uh, so it, yeah, it's just definitely attached uh, to my music. The, the 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 cool thing I know about Hawthorne is the Cockatoo Inn, which was oh yeah yeah, which was in Jackie Brown. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. We we live right around the corner from there. We, there's a pool hall that was right across the street and. That I actually I got so excited in the theaters when that when he started representing the South Bay, I was like, man, heck yeah, because it's a little <laughs> it's a it's a op, it's a twisted uh, experience because you're so close to the beach and so close to everything else. So it's like a, a little bridge. It's like a bridge town, you know, pretty, pretty open. That's where uh, that's where President Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe made sweet, sweet, adulterous love. What? That's where he took her. Did Hawthorne, <laughs> see? Sneaky, yeah. bro. The Cockatoo Inn was like this hotbed for mafia activity, and and wow. because of that, it, it boasted this celebrity clientele before okay. it closed down. And, and you know, and I think that That's allure crazy. is why Tarantino, uh, you know, I think the the set producers were like, "Oh, we can get you um, 
an in like the cockatoo in. He's like, no, right. we need the actual one. It's that yeah. important. I, I remember like uh, being from Inglewood and, and, and Hawthorne. It was like too many cities already. Like, where are you from already, bro? <laughs> <laughs> but there was a lot of moving going on. So when he, the two, like when, uh, uh, who was that? Oh yeah, Travolta said, or no, Sam, Samuel Jackson said, you need to get, uh, he referred to living in Inglewood as the boondocks in LA. And I was like, wow, this is like, it just changed the whole structure where where I was as a kid and how LA associated. It was, it was a cool time. But I was glad that they were representing such a like a straight ahead town. It's like a town with headphones on. Yeah, it's that like makes a, sense. You know, it's yeah. like a strip mall, but there's a little beauty to this lonely city, though. It's pretty cool. Well, you weren't so much at the Cockatoo Inn. You were more so at the legendary Good Life Cafe doing oh, open yeah. mic nights. Man. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. I was going to uh, the Good Life from Hawthorne. I was, I would drive down um, just Crenshaw, but from the south going up. And then um, I was always uh, revered or just referred to as Pigeon John from Hawthorne. It was like, from Hawthorne? Just, in, just that in general was a step to the stage. It was like, just because you're from Hawthorne, what do you do? I, I, but I didn't really understood Stan, uh, where that, uh, where it was coming from. But I, but once again, I was like, this is like a new town, new experience, but it just, uh, just helped me like just dive in. Cause you're on the way up. If they're, if they're, uh, you know, joking with you on the way up, it's just all the way open already. Yo, how you guys doing? What's up y'all? What's up? I'm pretty good. Well, if that's where you got your performing chops, can you tell me about the first time you were booed off stage there and the first time you got some cheers? You got to remember that, right? Uh, what's going to happen right now is a lot of sweat. So just expect it. Even if you don't want to, it's just going to happen. All right, here we go. Oh, anytime. Yeah, we're ready, bro. Give it up. Oh, man. Yes, yes, indeed. This is on our new album. It's called One for Nada. And I think like the the first times I I, I got on stage and and uh, and performed and stuff and it, it was like the first times it didn't make a ripple and it took a little bit to uh, to get noticed really and I think it was like shedding like styles I was uh, you know a fan of a lot of different bands and stuff so coming up I would like you know associate those things but I think it finally clicked in just finding my uh, like your own my own voice pretty much that was the first time. I just felt the whole room shift and, and it just clicked in when I pretty much let my guard down, but I wasn't like, the guard wasn't up. It was just like layers I was letting go of in a way. But yeah, it was, it was the first time I got booed. It was actually kind of stretching it out and bringing a, a friend of mine on stage and kind of uh, just kind of freestyling with this song. It just didn't click. And, uh, and plus I, I don't think, uh, uh, they were ready for the MC I was bringing on the stage at that time. But I quickly adapted. I was like, oh, sh- okay. Well, one, that's never going to happen again. <laughs> you know, so it, it's, it's all good. So it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. Yeah, back in those, uh, in the DJ Longshank days, way back, way back. I think, uh, I think uh, back in the day, you would say your main gift is writing and not so much producing. How do you feel today? I would say a little bit of both. I think it's always kind of been uh, uh, a half of my, my uh, writing process, 
starting with the ASR 10. I, I got it um, uh, when I was around 19. Yeah, when I was 19. And I had it for like a good year and I was riding on it and then it actually got stolen. At that time, uh, one of my best friends, uh, B Twice, he uh, was about to buy the ASR 10 and we were uh, in a group brainwash project. So the, the producer role kind of switched then because back then, whoever had the beat machine was the producer almost, you know, because they were so expensive. So and uh, with the brainwash projects, I just jumped in mostly as an MC. And then with my solo stuff, that's when I got back. I had a little more money and I bought an MPC and a Roland sound module. And then I just started producing and stuff like that. And almost using it like a, like not, maybe not the final beat, but more like the guitar to, to the song. So I just love, uh, love doing it that way. Just kind of responding to the beat and just, uh, even if the beat gets switched out, I might use the vocals for something else, but the intent usually is to ride the beat. So it's cool, whether it be mine or others, you know, slave to the rhythm. Just play. <laughs> just play. I'm on my G shit. People tell me I wouldn't be shit. I'm on that me shit. Summer sunsets all year long. And every DJ plays my song. Summer sunsets all year long. And every DJ plays my song. Well, so you have the song called Los Angeles Rap Scene where you admit it to being lost and then you laid out the blueprint. You know, rap fly, ladies, friends come, I'm about to make some money, a nice apartment. Then I do it for a living and I quit working at the store department. It's the American dream. Did that come as easy as you made it seem in just a few verses for you? I don't know exactly what I was thinking back then, but it was definitely how I was flooring it. <laughs> and I was just dreaming. I think I was like, LA is a, is a desert, man. It's a desert. So I think like it, uh, it, it produces uh, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different things. So at that, at that time, I think I was like really daydreaming and, and, and uh, just like, just, coming off the, of the of the top and just like following whatever was you know being written and uh and thankfully you know what i think like uh it has been like that as far as uh you know needs being met and stuff like that so it's been a pleasure to just be like from the demo tapes alone to just get any any kind of uh hearing and stuff like that and to be a part of things is is a pleasure i think the longer we're in it we're we're i think uh appreciate it more well you're slated to go overseas in september and you know i i would ask if you're you're hopeful but your promoter already got the date set up and the venues booked and the flyers printed so i guess you're hopeful yeah. too but yeah yeah I'm ve very hopeful you know we're, we're kind of like uh hoping for the best you know getting ready for it and stuff and kind of like whenever the door is open we're, we're we're ready to go you know yeah i'm i'm hoping to you know continue covering musicians by the fall you know still pumping out episodes but i'm doing it all by yeah. myself and and i i'm wondering if i need like a co-host cuz they say if a if a man is walking alone he's with the devil isn't that right yeah i heard about that man that kind of freaks me out cuz i walk alone sometimes. i'm i'm a yeah i'm a lone walker <laughs> I, I walk alone i'm a lone walker in the dark morning so then it's really suspicious. Like, what is this? <laughs> and, and there was, and it was really spooky is, is like when, when what? I start like going over into my spiritual side, I always pondered why the Bible can't be written for ah. me. It's always written for us. And when I buy a self-help book, wow. it's always directed at me. 
Mm. So that's when it gets really spooky. A, I like the I like the where two or more are gathered, man. It just like like we it just reminds us like, hey, don't you can be alone, but don't only be alone. Maybe that's what it means. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm you know, a lot of times I'm like, I I I think I was flooring it so much because I, I didn't realize that like my mom kind of set us up as best as she could. So it kind of opened, it freed us up to kind of be kids without like too deep of things going on. It just let us uh, daydream. Like, what do you want to be? You know, give us, give a kid time to think realistically what they could be. So I think a lot of that daydreaming was from that, you know, parenting and never like dogging us. Like if we wanted to be something, she wouldn't neg us or, or anything. So just not doing that to, to me really just let me even believe I might be able to do it, you know? So parenting is a trip. I'm reading this Rakim book and I'm always impressed by the greatest bands and MCs, their parents, the Beastie Boys included. They had awesome parents, you know? What's the, what's the common thread? They're, they're supportive, they, right? They're supportive and, and they include music and they pretty much don't nag the kids. They just <sighs> let them, that's it. They basically, they don't do anything to the kids. It's, it's, uh, now, now it's for me, it's like, I, if there is a, if there's a, um, an imprint on the kid, it's best that it's not negative. Like if, if everything is already you, it's just a lot of times I can, I can, uh, try to shape the kid, but there's, it's already set. It's just me getting out of the way more and more and more and more, you know? Well, they have to realize their ultimate truth and that's the, the last hurdle they need to get over. Oh yeah. Realization because so I'm spiritual. My wife isn't. And that, that's a challenging dynamic right there. So we Uh have to raise our kids. Like whatever brings you pleasure, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone, Mm -hmm. that's how we're raising our kids. You know, of course be tolerant. Don't try to tell anyone that their belief is wrong. Just be nice. And you discover your ultimate truth. That's kind of because, because, it gives us both a way to explain the world around us and a, and a, and a basis for making decisions. And, and without it, you know, we're just 7 billion organisms running around bumping into each other. So yeah, that's kind of how we, uh, we approach it. I think that's a, that's a great way to do it. I think like I, I heard on a, on a podcast, uh, this dude, he was like, he was, uh, it seemed like he had maybe grown out of his religion and then, uh, someone warned him and, and said, okay, if you get rid of it, make sure you replace it with something. And I thought, man, that's kind of smart. Cause I, if what, if I did it or when I did it, I would make, you know, I might replace it with the beer, you know, a, a vice, you know, a vice I can get spiritually high, bro. You know? So <laughs> I think, yeah. so it's smart to like, whether it be meditation or, or just, you know, a group oriented, uh, situations at the end of the day is like a necessary thing so this these times have been like very trying and at the end of the day i'm kind of impressed with humans because they're like so what are you guys still doing bro we don't we're, we're learning and it's like to to get over the measles or the mumps back in the day or whatever the black you know plague or whatever i think we're going through it but it seems like we're all at the shopping mall while we're going through it you know, so it's it's kind of weird. It's very weird, you know, so it's a lot of trying times. But at the same time, I guess the human race hopefully is like, you know, healing itself in a way. I think uh, we have to stay focused and uh, be as consistent as we can. And I really 
if I if I'm looping this back to music, I like your theory. And I actually told Prince Paul this when he was on the show. I like your theory that groups work their best when they stick to the same like inner circle and all that. Like I told Prince Paul, yeah. De La Soul probably doesn't sound the same unless you're in the room with them. Like so, there's this there's this uh, value that we should put on consistency. Maybe the Beatles are the Beatles yeah. because they stuck with their producers. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think the I, I love diving into the studio sessions, bringing up Prince Paul. And De La Soul and the whole like uh, the very first studio uh, uh, uh or I think it's some something like that in New York City, and their Soundcraft board that they did all their mixing of the early Jungle Brothers and stuff. I think just that limitation usually uh, just produces the best music, that consistent uh, sound. So, yeah, man. As a as a kid, I always just wanted to be in a group because all of my uh, favorite groups were you know Beastie Boys, Run DMC tribe and stuff so so going solo was like a kind of odd thing it was like a no man's land but it was not that bad it was kind of interesting unexpected yeah you mentioned jungle brothers you know they get credit for doing house music but it wasn't them it was their sound engineer who suggested it he he put on um todd terry's royal house party people and they Mm. they wrote the verse in 20 minutes and it was the last Mm -hmm. song they recorded for the album it almost didn't happen and it wasn't even their idea Dude, praise the Lord, bro. Thank God, because I was in Hawthorne once again, no man. And I and I was I bought the Jungle Brothers album on, on, on cassette at the Hawthorne Mall. This dude, I was there to buy a steady beat tape. And this dude said, buy that, but you need to buy this too. And I just bought it just off his off his uh, his credit. But I listened to it and it it blew my mind because especially that song, it wasn't rapping anymore. I was like, what are they singing? I actually got mad. I was like, dude, what are they doing, bro? They're like, it was like a very loose aspect uh, to to what my hip hop was at that time, which is basically it went from black and white to color. That record just changed my whole earlobe. You know? Yeah, well, there wasn't anything around the time that you could truly see as a merge between house and hip hop. Gospel music yeah. was like when you went to the club and they played house music, the only vocal you would tend to hear would be gospel based. You know, they would play Martin Luther King vocals on the top of everything or pretend preaching vocals. That's just how it was back then. Wow. Okay. Yeah, man, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn. And it's like, it's all, it's like a waterfall. I might be at the bottom just getting the, like the trickles and stuff. And and it's crazy how it's like, it's all connected, but disconnected. Yeah. And <laughs> because crazy. I want people to recognize like the people on your album, they composed for X-Men Apocalypse and Deadpool you, you know, uh, John Packfar. Yeah. He has a lot of cinematic scores, but he can also oh, yeah. go work on a Tech Nine album. He can work on your album. I mean, those those yes, are the layers sir. that people don't really they might not understand on the first listen, but as you dive deep, it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that that's definitely a a, a thing to to mention is the Campfire guys, John and John and Shane. Definitely the producers that I've been kind of working with and learning from uh just like the the way they chop it up it's almost like chopping up beats but it's all right there on the screen and i'm just kind of looking over the shoulder like dang bro you know so it's 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 a pleasure to work with the uh, seasoned musicians and 
a lot of times they they are they are like you say from different fields uh doing hip hop and uh hip hop doing you know other types of uh music it kind of usually works you know well i just i love that they can work on these big budget films it, it's almost like uh asking uh who you know who's a uh, like james horner who who's the the big composer who does like inception and all those films you know he would never yeah, yeah. he would never go and do you know like a freddie gibbs album you know he'd be like nah oh man you know i know but 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 what, what if? if what if you know if rick rubin could convince that composer oh man then you're talking usually when the worlds collide whoo it sets it fire but yeah that that would be like that would be crazy one if that can happen yeah i mean the the hamilton mixtape went diamond and there's got to be a little bit of that kind of going on too yeah yeah definitely that your song got a good feeling i mean let me just say if pharrell's happy from despicable me too never existed that song could easily have been in that film it could be in a pixar film it's on that level if not higher oh man thank you man it's it, it was cool working on these records man it's it's just gotta just dive in and just go for it the sessions were crazy and 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 loose and and uh, pretty electric, man. Very very uh, the day of written and recorded. So it's just it's just fun to kind of like uh, make a song in general and complete it and just be happy with it with your friends. I mean, you're already there. You know, go to Seven Eleven if you smoke by pack. You know, I love that I, man. Buy a soda, bro. Relax. <laughs> you know I, you know what was crazy though is I, I was i was you know let's say you know pharrell had that same mindset when he was making happy Ooh. and then he his net worth is 105 million dollars and that song after 43 million plays only netted him 2700 dollars and went viral and you couldn't turn on the radio without hearing that song wow. so either either way you're making music that's commercially viable yeah, uh, but I, I think you have the more cavalier attitude, which is going to pay off. You know, it's dope. You know, licensing deals are fun. It puts money in your pocket, but it also exposes your music to a new fan base. You know, Dead Island Two was a big one. I bet you yeah. got a lot of new listeners from that. You know, man, uh, yes, I was amazed. It's so cool. It was kind of like the the first time I got to go over to Europe and tour in 2011. It was like fresh ears, and uh, and uh, and it felt like um, a restart of of the old songs because they were just on fresh ears. So it was like a reboot to the, to my career. And with the, the, that, uh, that video game, uh, really opened it up and just kind of just like, I was happy that just the regular listener, no matter who they were, enjoyed it, you know? So it was a real like a pleasure to be a part of. I, I equate it to like the sugar cubes and then Bjork. You know, I, I, because Bjork doesn't want a Lamborghini. Maybe Pharrell wants a Lamborghini, but Bjork doesn't want a Lamborghini. You know, she's making music for the joy of it. Oh man. You know, uh, Bjork, she, she's one of my favorites, but yeah, you're right. Like I love the sugar cubes. And when Bjork did it, she went electric. I like that. She was from a band band and then she just unplugged and never plugged back in, bro. It's been how many years? So she's a, she's a, she's a beat head. She be hanging Never. out with those hip hop dudes in London, dog. That, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> she just she uh, her expression is a and, and Pharrell's expression as well. It's just like whatever you hear, just do it. And and then the, it doesn't like it's just skating. It's just trying to create a new trick. At the end of the day, it's just a new trick, you know. So it just the load is off, and now it's just everybody singing, you know. So it's it's a it's a it's a testament those artists so that's what that's what i'm uh, trying to do these days well the album's out 
and you're hitting the road soon and you get to spend these precious, important beginning months with your new baby girl and your fam. So life is good, oh, yeah. my friend. But uh, oh yeah, what else is there? What, what haven't I covered? Where can people find you, your music, the news, et cetera? Uh, pigeonjohn.com for anything or, or Pigeon John um, on Instagram. Uh, get to know me, follow me. And uh, yeah, man, just uh, be expecting like new remixes this year. And um, the record uh, should be pushed uh, in the fall. And uh, some new records are coming out this year as well. Some new tunes, new producers as well. Yes. And I will leave you with the most important question I've ever asked anyone before. Are you ready? Let's go. Bone Thugs featuring Phil Collins. Did that work or was that a mistake for both of their careers? Oh, man, it, it worked, bro. I think Phil Collins is loose, man. I think uh, Phil Collins is like, uh, ele- and when he went solo, he went electric. He got right on the beat machine, you know? So I think just him, I think the the greats like Paul McCartney and Phil, I think their ears are just big. I think I think it was a good thing. Let's play it. Let's go out with that song. <laughs> you bring a, a fantastic point though the greats like like prince he didn't go back to the right. revolution he just he can't oh, this i'm gonna spend just all night thinking that, about that he's, he's in a little red corvette bro all he does is fall in love fall in love fall he never looks back fall in love fall in, who's that who's that what's that bro, what's that color you gotta write a book someday man that's that's an amazing <laughs> observation I, I i won't be able to stop thinking about that oh bro thanks thanks for having me man blessings up to you sir man i appreciate you for stopping by yes sir phil collins take it away